Blog Talk Radio. It's October 11, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where reformers for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we are joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight, and we expect to have wisdom from Tom later although he's been in a meeting all afternoon, so we'll see. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a Living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Listen Now. Also, follow us on Twitter. COVID-19 continues to affect the world, our country, and UAW workplaces. Let us all continue to prevent increased cases and avoid another shutdown in our country. Okay. Where did uh, I saw him in here? Here. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Jeff, you there? Yeah. Hello, Jeff. Can't hear me. Can you hear me now? I can hear. Now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing better than I was a couple hours ago. So (laughs) that's a good thing. Good. Yeah, that's all. How was your week? Uh. My week was okay, but I didn't like what happened uh, in Lansing this week. Yeah. Uh, but I knew something was going to happen. just didn't know when. Well, it's probably not over either. Now Even I, the Attorney General said there's more coming. Right. So. Yep. And not I've seen in that. Michigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that's bad. Not, not good. And of course, yeah, the, the president's had COVID all week. I guess they said he's free now and over it. Uh, the uh, uh, maybe getting in my report a little bit, but the uh, um, treatment of steroids for ten days. It stops the inflammation and masks a lot of symptoms and cloaks him. And today's his tenth day, so he's probably off of steroids. So it may take a day or so for that to wear off. But we'll see what happens in the coming days uh, regarding his symptoms. Um, right. You know, I've had to take steroids myself, and I know I expect you have with all of what you have going on. Um, but you know they they uh, they mask a lot of stuff, you know, so you feel better yes. and and it does help you to get better. Uh, but uh, it's still something that gets masked quite a bit. The symptoms yep. by steroids and they're, and they're over today. They can only the course of steroids is ten days, and that's what all doctors mm. do. You know. Uh, some people, you know, they, they just ignore that and take them all the time. I got friends that do. So, but 
you uh, you had the opportunity. You weren't on last week, and it was my fault, I guess. I'm, I'm not not sure what happened. I don't know if it was my fault or whatever, whatever happened. I couldn't get you on the show. Let me put it that way. Uh, so we, Well, uh, I was in the – uh, I could hear every word you say. Yeah, yeah. I, I just couldn't uh, get you on. There was some stuff going on with the studio, so we apologized to everybody. And profusely, Jeff and Tom, all, all, well, Tom, uh, so that uh, they uh, they know that that was, uh, uh, you know, technical difficulties here. I'm not sure what was going on. Did you want to tell us about your trip to Flint? Yeah, um, last Saturday... Uh, a co-worker and I drove up to the Flint area and went to Region 1D and and just walked around the little sit-down workers' park behind the region office. Um, I posted some of the pictures on our page. It was worth the two-hour drive to get there. <laughs> a lot of rural construction and you know, Campers coming home from up north, hunters coming home from up north. Uh, the traffic was bad. Uh, but if you get a chance to go by there, please do. Uh, you'd be amazed at what they've done there. Um, I was very impressed with it, all of it. they got statues of the sit-downers. Um, they got statue, one set of statues of women put food bags in, through the window, but it was it's really nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It, they've, they've turned out to be the Red Hat ladies, uh, and they are the supporters of, and the descendants, and, and other women that now join the Red Hat Brigade, uh, and they meet from time to time, still. And yes. uh, that's their that's a calling uh, to support uh, workers and unions. So when you see the red hat ladies, that's who they are. Nice. Uh, so I'm glad you had a nice trip there. It's, it's amazing. You know, I worked in that plant when I first hired in where the sit-down strikes began. Second day mm-hmm. I worked there, an old sit-downer come by. Yeah, I worked actually worked with them. And uh, he came by, and he said, uh, we're walking out of the plant. He said, people died right here on the sidewalk, so you can work here today, and don't you ever forget it. And uh, I would submit that aren't too many union leaders today that had that happen to them. And that, in and of itself, is sad. Uh, Yes. uh, uh, So, um, uh, as far as me, I... uh, I had some things, you know, some writing and stuff to get done, uh, and it's kind of sad. My, well, I don't want to say where it was at, but uh, uh, there's union halls that aren't even being attended. You know, to the mail setting out for weeks at a time, and that's kind of sad, actually. That people, you know, when I was a union officer, you know, I, I mean, I didn't get there maybe every day, but. Uh, for sure, every other day I was by the union hall, whether I was being paid to do it or not. You know, I mean that's that's just. I mean, when you're an officer, you know you have an obligation if you're, you know, one of the top four officers. You know, 
the top five, if you will, the president, vice president, uh, recording secretary, financial secretary, and chairperson. So you'd like to think that some of those officers went, went you know, get by the, the union hall and pick up mail. President in the General Motors room actually gets time to go do that. So um, it's um, yeah. rather, rather sad to see that occur. But I, I had some other stuff going on, so I was, I was doing some writing, and I was made aware of that uh, this week. And I uh, took a little trip, took a couple of days. I don't get too many. And I went up north uh, to see some color, stayed overnight, a couple nights, and then came back and uh, had a, a real nice uh, time up there. You know, I uh, go by myself, but, uh, you know, I'm never a stranger long anywhere because I'm pretty outgoing, as most people know. Uh, but uh, it was it was fun, and the colors were just fantastic. The trees, you know, uh, near near the lakes, both Lake Huron and Lake Michigan, yet near close to them, that that uh, thermos effect that the water has uh, kept it a little warmer this time of the year. So a few miles in, it was still pretty green, but you get in inland a little bit, and they turned color pretty much. So. Uh, and anywhere Grayling, if you know Michigan, Grayling North is uh, pretty pretty good right now. And Great Gaylord, Gaylord, it was uh, supposed to be peak this weekend, and it's moving downstate. So just get used to the idea you're going to have some pretty good colors out here real soon in the mid Michigan area. So um, having said that, uh, Jeff, you want to uh, let let's work uh, go on to the uh, uh, comments and emails. Uh, got one. I'll take the first one, I guess. Uh, first one says, Hello, I'm a new listener. Impressive job. I did not expect this. This is an excellent show. Thanks. Name withheld. Well, thank you. It was a tad week last week, but uh, uh, we, uh, yeah, redundant words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Though we believe that uh, that has been corrected, so uh, Jeff, do you want to take that next one? Sure. This was sent in. I have found some of the best reasons I had ever. Let me start over again. I have found some of the best reasons I have ever had for remaining at the bottom, simply by looking at the men at the top, and. Uh, that was name withheld. I gotta tell the people um I had uh cataract surgery last month, so I'm a little hard seeing things, but I'm doing okay. Okay, good. Yeah. He he's struggling with that. He both of them done about a week apart or ten days apart or something. So. Uh, uh number three, yep. uh, remind three friends to vote and vote early if you can. Should there be questions, I have included a link on how to vote. Uh, that's from Margot from votetripling.org. Uh, the link that you sent is, is uh, on our page. Thank you for taking interest uh, in uh, getting this to us. Uh, we really appreciate that, and that's from votetripling.org. Tell three friends. That's all they're asking to do. And if they've got any questions, 
go to our our, our, our website here, and you can uh, get those uh, on our our radio show page. Or you can click on the little image. Uh, it's actually Jeff's image, and uh, to be clear, <laughs> he set that up, and, and uh, I, I set it up and put that in it. So uh, just uh, know that's uh, uh, out there, and uh, you can click on that. If you have any questions for it's it's a Michigan link, so but it's pretty applicable in most other places, I suppose, as well. So um, definition. Uh, definition of corruption this is kind of long. There's four of them, uh, you know. Uh, so, uh, uh, first one uh, is, as you know, some of the definitions they have m more than one iteration of them. So, this dishonest or illegal behavior, especially by powerful people. Two, inducement inducement to wrong by in, improper or unlawful means. Three, a departure from the original or from what is pure or correct. Four, the process by which something, typically a word or expression, is changed from its original use or meaning to one that is regarded as erroneous or debased. For example, when interpreting the United Auto Workers Constitution, one may not add or omit words to suit your own purpose. Yeah. Hey, let me find where we're at. We're going to quotes now. I have no intentions of representing those powerful interests who walk over the powerless people. And that's by Congressman William Clay Senior. Yeah. I think that's all for the quotes. Yep. And Brother Tom isn't in the switchboard yet. A few other people listening. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Tom's not here yet, so we'll see if he's going to make it. I know he he had a uh, he's he's a member of many service clubs. You know, he used to be a high school uh, basketball coach at a very uh, popular large Catholic school in the Youngstown area. So uh, he's uh, uh, often called on for some of the service club things, and uh, he was having a meeting today that probably got long so and then uh he's got a couple of grandkids very active in sports uh so uh we'll see if he uh uh can get get here tonight yet yeah, it's just a little bit early so we'll see if he can make it uh let's see uh jeff um you want to take your uh report there and if you want sure I can do that. Okay. Um, my report today is about corruption at the local level. Everybody talks about corruption at the international, but they do complain sometimes about what's going on at the local level. My, my suggestion is if you think something is going wrong, look up Constitution, read your local bylaws and see if there's something different happening that was stated in your bylaws. Uh, for example, my local um, has had four elections this year already. And 
Constitution says you can't have more than two. But these are like 2020. These are difficult times and things happen. People transfer, people retire, um, cause for elections this year. Hopefully we'll have no more. But even this year, we have had some mistakes. We had an election two weeks ago. We had some names on the ballot that were uh, uppercase, and there was a big uproar over that. Um, so they just did a recount to resolve it. Uh, 9% of the membership voted. These weren't really uh, positions that required any work from the people who get elected. Uh, and we also know that uh, in my local, for example, again, we've had the last several years, election time, it seems that our president always dips his hand in in the process. And so there's always being appeals made uh having to redo the election over again. Uh, it's just, to me, that's just a waste of money, what he's doing. And uh, we had a big problem with that back in 2017. And uh, three of us lost our membership for sticking up for what is right. We got our membership back through the PRB. Um, just... Educate yourself. You think something's going on, check into it. You know, you can always find somebody on the shop floor who who knows a little bit. They may not know all of it, but they they can get you pointed in the right direction. Uh, so that's about all I have, Leroy. Just make sure you do your uh, research before you do anything serious. You're right. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff, for that. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things uh, going on in our union, and I've had the opportunity to uh, 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 go ahead and uh, uh, be a part of some of these uh, in, the, in the aid of some of our members. And uh, I want to go over some of the things that I have come across that seem to be improper and illegal. So I have about six of them I'd like to just talk about uh, real briefly. But, you know, uh, it is not proper or legal for union leaders to solicit tax-deductible charitable gifts from community businesses for use by the local union and then take those gifts. I mean, it's okay to, to solicit them, but then it's, you may not take those gifts to their private party and raffle those off for their own financial gain. In other words, people, our union leaders, some of them at one particular local, 
was going out to the community soliciting gifts, taking them back, putting them in the, the hall, or they'd be mailed to the hall or delivered to the hall. And then some leaders would take those from the union hall. Now, these are tax deductible for the purpose of a, you know, a nonprofit. Our unions are nonprofits, so they can write it off when they donate to us as union. Okay, so they were taking them and raffling them off at their own private party and keeping money. Television sets, all kinds of stuff. And that's improper. Uh, It's not proper or legal for management and or union officials to intimidate a member and demand the member to endorse his or her paycheck to the corrupt manager and or union official. That's a, that's that's not like supposed to go on either. It's not proper or legal for executive officials of a union to condone, support, or otherwise consider retaliatory charges made by a sexual harassing bully against his or her victims of that bully. These victims are protected by the president's uh, letter and by the joint uh, program in order to stop bully harassment and intimidation. And also federal law, I'm told that Title IX covers that. Okay, you can't be doing that. I mean, you know, somebody brings charges against a member just you know, and it's the person that they've been harassing. You got to take a hard look at that. What what was really vile? You know, so uh, it's not proper uh, or legal to use dues dollars to campaign for or to stifle a candidate. Can't write stuff that that tries to stop somebody from running for office. It's not proper or legal to improperly manipulate elections, just like Jeff just said. You know, we had this. This is, COVID has really caused a lot of grief in, in our in our union because of the elections. The president can, a local union, in emergency can uh, uh, cancel an election, and that happened in almost all local unions this this spring. But the restarting of that election has to go directly by the rules again. You can't just say, oh, half of it's going to carry over because these folks were uh, nominated and they were nominated and would be by acclama- be elected by acclamation in the second election. And there's an appeal on that one right now, you know. Uh, and again, it's not proper or legal to, in fact, change words by either adding to or omitting any of the collective bargaining agreement, bylaws, or constitution without uh, ratification uh, or uh, by, at the uh, uh, local union, the, the uh, constitutional convention, or by the membership for a collective bargaining agreement. You know, somebody said, well, the chairman, chairperson can, has a lot of power over the, the temporaries now because they can create these many agreements 
uh, they're not allowed to create many agreements. Everything by the federal law has to be ratified by membership. Okay, even these MOUs are typically considered and approved, even if, even if it's by at the membership meeting. But the membership had a, a say. Okay, that's the way it was at least when I was, a, you know, an elected leader. I know there's a lot of things that are not being done the way uh, it, they were done in the past. So um, uh, the uh, 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 that that pretty much concludes my part of uh, what, what Jeff had there. We have some really nasty people in our union that, that just think they're all powerful and they can do anything they want. Totalitarianism, totalitarianism mindset. Uh, Brother Danjit used to talk about that all the time. So. Well, uh, I have a, a little bit on my report. You got anything to add to that, Jeff? You know, you've been involved in, no. you know, at least listening to some of my my story tales about some of these things, and, uh, even if you right. don't have a, a real opinion at the time. I just wondered if you had anything to say about this. You good? No, it happens everywhere, not just one local. It seems to be getting quite bad these days. Right, yeah. right. I uh, I want to talk about what an what an endorsement is and what it is not. You know, I was the uh, cap coordinator for Region 1C over 11 counties, and I was political coordinator or cap chair for my uh, local union for three terms. And I was the Democratic Party chair for the county here for two terms and state central some five terms. And I had a lot to say about how endorsements came to be. And, uh, you know, forward a lot of names for consideration by, by our members. Now, an endorsement... Is it just something that somebody throws on a piece of paper and says, hey, vote this way? It's simply not done that way. And I, I feel compelled to at least talk about this because people are losing friends this year over this. I mean, people have known each other for their lifetime are losing friends because this one's going this way and that one's going that way. And uh, they're fighting over it, and then they stop talking, and next thing you know, they're not even friends anymore. And it's been pretty bad. Some people think that when somebody makes an endorsement that they're demanding they vote that way. And that's not the case, ever. In all of my time in political leadership, I never once told somebody how to vote. Not a single time. I'll give you the information, and if I haven't convinced you, then you go vote however way you want to. 
even my Republican friends from my local union know that's how I operate. And I, I give them every opportunity to present their side. And sometimes they have some pretty good uh, arguments for their side. You know, it's, it's important to hear both sides because you just might adjust your own a little bit. Okay? So it is important. So the endorsement process, you know, uh, there a lot of areas we don't even have candidates. We have to go solicit a candidate, try and find somebody that's willing to run because in this day and age it's hard to find people that are actually qualified to run. So you find somebody and you see if they're in any way aligned with your efforts, as in this case, you know, as, for good jobs and high, uh, good working conditions, high, high wage jobs, and, uh, you know, hours of employment and stuff like that. You know, these are the mandatory uh, uh, elements of bargaining for our, uh, by the National Labor Relations Board. There's, there's three uh, specifically, and then they have another, another seven coal lines. So uh, we, we try to make sure that those people, and, you know, I mean, somebody cloaks it from time to time, but we try to make sure those people are people that are going to vote for the best interest of workers. Right? And then you give them some assistance, try and help them get elected. But before that happens, Okay, you coach them on the organizations that they need to send requests for endorsement into. And then those agencies, okay, including our own UAW, asks for their bona fides, everything about them. We want your resume, what you've done, how you've been with us any time in the, in the, in the past, and how you intend to be with us in currently and in the future. And if they pass the test, and the people in our union live in our communities, so they all have something to say about who and what they, they are, okay, at the executive level, when the endorsement committees from your CAP Council meet these candidates, these aren't people that live in a vacuum. They're political activists. And if they find them to be disingenuous, disreputable, they're not going to get the endorsement. And that happens a lot, quite frankly. And then once it's agreed that they endorse them, that, that notice is put out by the local union leadership and the international leadership and the regional leadership, in our case, it goes out, and these are the people that we have vetted. We believe they're good citizens. We believe that they're also decent people that are going to support our labor issues. When we go to them and ask them for their vote, if they haven't already decided it, or if when we talk to them, they said, I'm already there. Okay, those are the sort of people that we want to have. They understand labor's important, and those people get the endorsement. 
once endorsed, that gets disseminated. Okay, getting them elected is then our job because they're supposed to be our friend, right? So we let everybody know this candidate has been vetted. Everybody has agreed, or a majority of the leadership has agreed, that this is the best candidate. Because a lot of you know, sometimes you got two, three, four real good candidates for one job, one, one elected position. So then, once those decisions made, that's who's endorsed. That's who's endorsed. And sometimes these get there's a lot of wrangling going on because you know. If they've already been an elected official and trying to move up, we go scrutinize their votes in that lower position. Like if they've been county commissioner, now they want to be, uh, you know, uh, the uh, county clerk or the house rep at these upward moves, we're going to go take a look at their vote. We already know uh, what they are as they voted in the county commission, because we have people watching all of these. When I was elected leader in the cap uh, arena, I never missed a county commission or a Lansing City Council meeting. I sat in them, and I knew everything about all those folks and the ones that were for and against us. There are other people in my wake, that are doing that now. It's called a team, a labor team that goes and watches and sees how the candidates fare when it comes to our issues. That's the other thing. Once you get them elected, you got to hold them to account. And sometimes they, some of these folks fall through the cracks or their constituency is a little different than what our desires are on a particular issue. And that happens from time to time. We can't be mad at them on a single issue. But most of the time, they got to be with us or we're not going to endorse them again. And endorsing them tells our membership, again, these are vetted candidates that we believe are the best people for this particular set of offices that are now coming open. Are they going to always be what they said? No. Are we going to get everything we want? No. Are we going to get most of what we want? Yes, we will, as long as we do our job. When that endorsement goes out, a lot of people think, you're telling me how to vote. And that's not the case. The only thing that's being said is... we're telling you the candidates we think are best for labor. Okay? And then we'll hold them to account if you help us get them elected. The problem comes when the memberships haven't seen over time the legitimacy of those endorsements. Or they don't trust the people making the endorsements. Believe me, when I disseminated 
information after it had been properly processed and those endorsements made, everybody knew that these folks, when I was in leadership, were going to be held to account and they will be good people for us. There was no distrust in the fact that our teams that we had and then my personal integrity regarding the politics were in any way questionable. So that's that's how the endorsement process works. Nobody tells you how to vote. We submit something. If you are a good labor person, you will consider that. If you have a problem with all of them or any one of them, feel free to vote your conscience. This is still the United States of America. Even though we saw some stuff happen here a couple of weeks in our own union where a highly qualified person ran for office and didn't get a single vote. This is still America and you're free to vote how you want most of the time. Certainly in these sort of elections that are before us on November first Tuesday, November 3rd. So that's what an endorsement is. It's not a demand or an edict on how to vote, but for your purposes of your job, these are the folks that are most likely going to protect your job for you and your interest and your family and your community as well. And if you have a problem in a specific area, then if we've helped to get them elected, we can go to those folks and say, hey, we helped you get elected. I have a problem with a member. And that member needs your assistance. Can you help them? Because I'll give you an instance. We had a, a member who's um, unemployment still had uh, time left on the previous year, eligibility week, so with two in question. And this it just happened, by the way, in this, this past summer. And they didn't give it to the member. They started a new benefit year without considering those two weeks and didn't get paid. So the, the problem was that he wasn't going to get subpay either. So we go to the proper authority that, by the way, we helped to get elected. I'm on that team to help him get elected, not our union team, but I'm certainly there as a union member, and we have a, a caucus in our own township and they're all labor friendly. And of course, one of the members of the caucus could help. And I went and said, this, this person's got a problem. And it took us several months to fix it. But we got it fixed. But if we didn't have their ear, that brother would have lost two weeks unemployment and two weeks subpay. 
unemployment's what three, two or three ninety five max out I think it is two sixty five or three sixty five something like that it's gone max has gone down since that got changed it was three ninety five in nineteen ninety three nineteen I'm sorry nineteen ninety four and now it's I think three sixty five is max okay and the subpay you know that that's another you get to ninety five percent so you know, that's, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars sometimes. So you're looking at, you know, better part of two thousand dollars this person didn't was gonna lose if we didn't have that connection. And if we don't have your support to get those connections, we can't make that happen. We can't fix it for you. We need to have people we can talk to as labor representatives. I'm not allowed anymore at this time but I still have a fair amount to say about things because I used to do this for our union and I still do it for the benefit of our members and other union members and believe me it works okay here's another one for you just to just to give you a couple examples so you really get your head wrapped around what it means to to vote for the endorsed candidates of labor we had a, a young man working in Flint at a large uh, UAW representative facility. And he'd been around to everybody. He didn't get, a, didn't get any help. So he comes upon my radar, and I say, you call this phone number, and you tell him your problem, and you tell him that you're a member of the UAW. That's how you tell him just like that. Now, his problem was he had just gotten back to work. He hadn't got a paycheck for three weeks. Somebody was holding up his money. We fixed that, too, by the way. But the, the power company came in and turned his power off. Didn't have any power in his house. His family is in the house with nothing. Somebody put him up in a hotel for one night. They just paid it to go to a hotel, and we'll fix it. And that's when my phone rings, right? I don't usually tell all these stories, but you need to understand what it means. And I just I just read something. If, you know, if you – I actually wrote it, and it was uh, – wasn't what I read. The guy's – he's a preacher this morning online. I, I listened – to him and he had a lot of good things to say and he said back in the old days you didn't have to post everything on Facebook or call the media if you were buying somebody a meal you just went ahead and did it that's what we did in the old days you didn't have to if you were back in the old days you didn't have to ask for somebody for a bite of food if they knew you are hungry they just took you out and bought you a sandwich somewhere or took you over some groceries my dad did that. As one of my first forays into into being benevolent, neighbor across the street, down two houses, they fell on bad times. He went to the grocery store and bought him two carts of groceries, put them in his truck, carried them over, drove them over there, and we packed them into their house. And they were like kids in a candy store. They didn't have any food, and now they did. And food for probably a month or so. 
This young man, when he called that number, I gave him. And that isn't a number that I'm unfamiliar with, by the way, because you know I, I know all the the, the uh, levers to push and pull to get things done. He called him, and in two hours' time, he came back and reported to the contact of the guard intermediary. He reported to that lady. They called me on his behalf, and I talked to him at this time. And they had turned on his power, and they gave him a $300 credit on his utility bill because there was a, a ban on turning anybody's power off at the time. And their, their error was his benefit in the end. That was an elected official that got that done for him. That elected official knows me. And they made sure he got handled properly. You know, I've had some really good things happen to our members because of my intervention. And that's one that I'll put down there as being right near the top. He got an advanced paycheck the next day. His life was back to normal. And he wasn't about to lose his wife as he was the day before. One kid. So you see what it means to support your union's endorsements? It means a lot to you as a member. You never know when something's going to happen to you that you may need to go to your union leadership and ask for help in a particular matter, and they can call on the elected officials to fix it for you. That's what an endorsement means. It's not an edict to vote for a damn person. And if I, if you're listening and I haven't convinced you it's a good idea, if, if you can't vote for them all, if there's a slate out there, vote for the ones you can, the ones you don't have objections with. If you have a particular objection to somebody, I'm the first one to say don't vote for that person if you feel that strong about it. But that's how the union political arm works. For you, the member. You never know when your your life circumstances are going to change and you may need that help. Ever. You don't know. So that's what an endorsement's about. Now I'm going to tell you about a candidate, or I'm sorry, an elected official that I knew for a long time. And a lot of people loved him and a lot of people hated him. He got more votes than any other congressperson and more percentage, numbers and percentage, than any other congressperson in the history of our country, and that record stands today. I had a bunch of my own folks flip-flopping on 
Dennis Archer, mayor of Flint or mayor of Detroit, was asked to come and speak at one of our events we were putting on at our county. He agreed. 24 hours later, he backs out. God knows why, but he did. And that was about the third person that he backed out for whatever reason or, or not accepted. And it's usually the congresspersons. Uh, duty to try and get that speaker for the, the, uh, the party, but, you know, at the time I was the leader, so it fell on me. Uh, the year previous, uh, we had the same problem, and a uh, elected leader by the name of Gary, God, I can't think he's on the office. Who's our senator? Yeah. Gary, Gary, Gary Peters. Peters. Yeah, Gary Peters. Gary Peters, at the last moment, come in and spoke for us. Now, I'm going to tell you, he's a stand-up guy. Anytime we ask him for something, as labor, he gets it to us. And when I asked him for something some 24 years ago, he didn't hesitate. He jumped right on it. I want to get back to my other friend. This is somebody I've known or I knew for a long time, since I was young. So I happened to be in Washington when Archer backed out, and it was the same year that Jeffrey Figer was running, and the committee wanted Jeffrey Figer, and I was told, if he speaks at your event, you can kiss your career goodbye. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think they was joking when he said it either. <laughs> they didn't get along very well uh, in, in the UAW at the time. So, but uh, I said, well, I don't have too many other options here, and the committee wants you know, him. So let me see what I can do. So I walk over to Congress, and I, I you know, I've known a few people that a lot of folks didn't, don't know that I know. So I walked into the office, and this congressman that I knew was there. He had been a sheriff for a long time. And uh, I said, hi, how you doing? He said, hi. And I said, I need a speaker. And he says, where and when? And he cleared his schedule, or checked his schedule. He didn't have to clear it. He checked his schedule, and he came. He said, he agreed, and I said, I'll, I'll get you a nice, our best hotel in town, and I'll provide you with air transportation from Youngstown to Lansing. He's from Youngstown. Some of you probably already know who I'm talking about. Well, this is a guy that I was able to sit down with on his come in Friday and left on Sunday morning. So I spent Friday evening with him and then all day Saturday. Because one of the things he asked is, you have that new baseball stadium in Lansing. And I said, yeah. He said, I'd like to tour it. I said, okay, we'll do that. And uh, so we were sitting down at lunch. Our tour was, I, I called him and set up a tour, and everybody said, yeah, that's cool. I have it all done. So our tour was, in. we met for lunch. I was with him in the morning. And we walked around, we'll show him around town, we talked about it, and then we had lunch. And uh, uh, we were talking at lunch, and he said, 
tell me about yourself in your county, and I did, and and what's going on. He kind of knew all that anyhow because um, he did his homework. And and every time I'd say something, he would nod. I already knew that kind of thing. And the only thing that surprised him is when I told him that the first African-American prosecutor in the state of Michigan was uh, elected here in my county under my leadership. And he was pretty impressed with that. He said, you show me something, something there, Chairman. He called me Chairman. Well, during the conversation, he said, you know, I ran for president a few years ago, and I didn't really intend to run and win, even make a dent or try to go to Washington in a different capacity as a cabinet member. He just ran and used it as a negotiating tool. He says, you know what I got out from my area? From my run, I got four brand new bridges, and he was so damn proud of the four bridges he got for his community. And he came here to help. You know, my problem with the speaker, but he also came here to Lansing area to see what he could take back to his district. It wasn't just I'm going to do this for you. It's a quid pro quo. That's what the old politicians used to do. And this politician never, ever went somewhere without attempting to see what can I get for my community as I do this for you. As we walked through and toward the Lugnut Stadium, the local team here, he had one comment about it. He said, you don't have a weight room. And he enjoyed walking through us, and I was with him. And they had their little entourage from the from the uh, company that runs the stadium and a couple city officials there. And they were pretty impressed. One, that I'd been able to contact them, that I knew them in my own way, be able to do that. So the uh, uh, congressman asked me, he says, I'm trying to get this same stadium in my area, and we have a GM plant there. Can you help me get money for my ballpark in in my area? And I says, I don't have that kind of pool, but I will make a couple of calls. I don't know if it's going to help or hurt, but when you have a team working on something, more than one, you usually get something done. So our team was now had a new member of me. <laughs> okay. So I, I made a couple of calls, and I talked to some of the leadership in our union. And pretty soon they had their ballpark down there in, in the Youngstown area. This man was always looking for something for his community. Everywhere he went, he spoke at the Ross Perot group that has a similar uh, fundraiser, and he asked them for their support and help on his projects for his community, and they and he got it. They were happy to try and help him. That recording secretary for the national uh, committee 
remains a friend of mine to this day. She's a very fine woman. And in many ways, I lament that Ross Perot wasn't a Democrat and run and get elected, because I think our country would be in a different state of affairs even today. However, we have what we have. That congressman, I should say another thing before I tell you who he was. I recently met with an elected official, a high-level elected official, and I introduced myself, and I said, I'm part of the UAW. I'm a member. I'm not in leadership anymore, but I have some history. And the con- this person knew me and said, oh, well, the UAWs helped me get elected. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's true. We helped to get elected. Is you know, um, it wasn't any. I'm trying to work on this for labor element to it. Okay. Oh, you just helped me get, you know, opportunity to achieve my uh, career goal. And I was disappointed in that. I was disappointed that some of the current leadership haven't instilled in this particular person that it's more than about a career goal. This is real. But it is what it is. And it's a difference between a a congressman who went everywhere in the nations giving speeches and everywhere he went tried to bring something home for his district. That's the contrast for somebody that has it as a career goal or somebody that truly represents their district and brings something, something back to them all the time. Everywhere he went. My friend died in a, a tractor accident the man, I still have the audio, the man that reported it said he, he died in a, in a tractor accident. A tractor rolled over on him. Congressman Jim Trafficant was a quarterback at Pitt University. He was a quarterback at Niles High School. I'm sorry, Carter Mooney High School in Youngstown, Ohio. The first quarterback, actually. A lot of people didn't like what he did. I don't think he did too much wrong myself. Everything that they charged him with in the case, he was the first congressman, to, sitting congressman, to go to prison for 10 years. His name is Jim Trafkin, Congressman James Trafkin. And he was a friend, and I wrote him regularly while he was in prison, and I... Uh, Revere the, the Christmas cards that he he became an artist, pretty good artist, I guess, anyhow. But he sent Christmas cards that he just drew, and I revere all the Christmas cards that I got from him. They are invaluable keepsakes and remembrances of good political leadership who cared about the people. As a sheriff, 
in Mahoning County. During the early 80 recession, he refused to evict a single person from their home during those economic downturn times. The banks were mad at him. They wanted him removed from office. They told the judges do this and that. And he continued to refuse. And that's the reason, because he stuck up for his people that put him in that office. That's the reason he continues to have the highest vote total and vote percentage of any congressman in the United States ever in our history. I have no problem supporting people like that and asking folks to consider our endorsement. No. I didn't have anything to do with our endorsement here. You heard me last week say that Republicans don't even run in my township anymore because we've been successful in asking people to vote for our candidates and we hold them to account in my township. Lots of things that they help our folks with and if they get a little sideways, I'm in their office looking them in the eye, remember, reminding them that there is a constituency out here they represent. So that's politics at its finest. And I know that our union leadership has lost a lot a lot of trust. I hope that tonight's show helped to regain some of that trust, at least in this arena of politics for the outside elected officials. And I know that other people, I talked with Tom about this this morning. I didn't say it was going to be part of my, my report tonight, but uh, Tom is on the same page with that. He, he understands uh, the difference between a Jim Trafficant, Jimbo they call him, Congressman James Trafficant, and some of the elected leaders today. And it's something we need to all step up and hold these folks to account in any way we can. So I think you've pretty much heard my uh, report on the steroids uh, and, and COVID. I mean, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few days now that steroids are, uh, have ended, that regimen ended, at least reportedly ended. So we'll see what happens uh, regarding our uh, residents' health. Also, COVID's starting to spike pretty good as people are being driven more and more indoors and the outdoor events and outdoor seating for restaurants is going away. And the indoor events for high school activities are going to be coming more and more. So please be careful during this time. We don't want the, the country to shut down again. You know, um, and we certainly need to have some peace in our country. I hope that everybody understands words matter. When somebody says something, they matter. And if you're a leader, words matter. We cannot have people 
kidnapping and intending to murder elected leadership anywhere. I don't care what side defense you're on. It shouldn't be happening. Everybody has a right to get mad, but you don't have a right to plan to kidnap and kill somebody. You can't do it. Okay. Jeff, do you have anything on my report? That was pretty good. I I do remember hearing about that uh, congressman, though. I remember his name from years ago. Um, oh, yeah. If you know the right people and do the right things, you can get just about anything you want at times. We had a couple of of good examples tonight, Jeff. You know, I mean, so, you know, elected officials helping our members. And we couldn't have done that without, you you know, supporting them in their efforts. Because they didn't see it as a career goal. They saw it as as a job of representation. Both of those people that helped, both the person that got, didn't have the unemployment issue and the person in Flint that got his power cut off, mm-hmm. both of those people that helped were the house reps for that area. Okay? Yep. House of Representatives, elected House of Representatives, Democrats that had been endorsed by labor, one of whom I have uh, coached since, um, you know, a long ways. I was the one person that asked her to run for a house rep some nine or ten years ago, and it's taken a while, but we sure have changed uh, our, our township and the lay of the land for surrounding areas a little bit as well. So uh, it's... Uh, it's a nice thing to have to be able to pick up the phone. I could pick it up now, and, and that that person would answer. Um, you know, and, and unless there's a meeting going on or something like that. But it, it, you know, I don't abuse it. Uh, but we are friends, and uh, you know, my phone rang the other day right out randomly, and it was that person on the phone. So uh, if you work with these folks and have a dialogue with them, they will work to help our membership. And I I helped. Those are two instances, but in the unemployment arena, I had, I think it was 20 names, uh, community and labor people that got assistance uh, when they came to me. And I was able to facilitate that by and through the elected officials of their area. So, and that's you know that's what our our union's supposed to do all the time. They're supposed to handle a lot of mm-hmm. that. Some of them are just too busy busy to do do it. But you know, I I put the time in, always put the time in. I might talk about a couple of days up north, but that's rare for me, very rare. So, anyhow, mm-hmm. anything else, Jeff? Anything else? Um, yeah, that thing, <laughs> plotting to kidnap and maybe murder a governor of a state, that is mind-boggling. You know, you and I have talked before, and I, I said that something big was going to come up. That, that just shocked me. Um, strange times we live in. Right. So, right. 
I, I, you know, this is the first time I voted early, you know, and based on our conversations uh, and some conversation with other people and my own assessment of what's going on, I voted early, uh, first time ever, because I don't want to be a part of any drama that's coming up. And exactly. uh, I did that, you know, I did that uh, midweek, and this, this came up the next day. Uh, and I was real, you know, disenchanted, to say the least, about this, hearing this, you know. And, um, my phone, as soon as the news hit, my phone was ringing. Uh, people scared. Elected officials scared. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, with good so reason. Gotta, you know, just, you know, we got to do what we can to, to keep them safe and assure them that mm-hmm. not only the officials have their back, but we have their back, too, right? Right. So anyhow, uh, to reiterate, an endorsement is never a demand to vote for anybody. All it is is telling you these are the folks that we think are best going to represent you and your job and your family and your community, and we have a dialogue with them. That is what an endorsement means. And it's very important to every worker in this country to support that dialogue. You know, my friend is running up in the 4th District for Congress in Michigan. I've known him 52 years. Jerry Hilliard. One of the first people I knew when I first came to Michigan from Youngstown. And I haven't had much contact with him over the years. And he's he's running up there, and he's not getting much support. I don't think he's going to win. I hope he wins. He's a good labor person. His dad was an oil driller, worked for his uncle company as an oil drilling company. These are, you know, good, hardworking people. He went out mm-hmm. and educated himself, you know. And Jerry Hilliard, I hope you get elected. You know, I, I just know what, what you know what's going on, but you know, if there's anybody that's out there that's it's gonna, you know, have a, a have a you know, will have his ear. You know, that's that's a guy there that you can call him up and talk to him. And he he knows what labor's about. And he told me I said, you know, I'm I talked to him in, in the last month or so. And we've had several dialogues, and I've given him some coach, some pointers, and uh, I've offered to help him a little more. But he's uh, he's, he's got a radio show, and he's uh, putting that out. He's doing broadcast radio, so uh, he uh, uh, he's he's trying to work it that way. Uh, I I think he's doing a good job. He's working hard. Um, he you know I gave him a couple pointers. He's done those. So he's listening, you know, because I'm pretty good at this. I've done it a long time, and I'm pretty successful at doing it, okay? Even when people don't like me, other people accept my help. They'll they'll seek me out and ask for my help because i got some pretty deep credentials in a political range. I'm one, you know, one of six that outright beat an incumbent clerk, and um uh, I'm of counsel on the seventh one that beat an incumbent clerk in a major 
uh, metropolitan area. So that's that's pretty pretty healthy. Not just everybody's got that credential. That's in the history of our nation. Seven, and I'm part of two of them. I did. I was chair, campaign chair for one, and of council slash campaign chair for another, and treasurer for it. So, you know, you you do these things for the candidates, and you you have their ear, and we've been successful. You know, and this candidate. We did an amazing job on this. We had set this, this this clerk would just be, and that that clerk is going to be acclimated because there's no Republicans running. Okay, uh, the township treasurer's acclimated, the supervisor acclimated, all all what four or five five trustees all all acclimated because there's no Republicans running. We had to beat the clerk in the primary. So. Um, you know, these are things that matter to you. Because we ask them all the time, don't forget where you come from, who and what you are as an individual. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to help when I can. Give them a pointer or two, hey, you need a link. Need this link on your website, okay? It's not there. It's not readily found. And it's going to help in a big way. All right, we can do that. What about your Facebook? You got it on that? No. So we do that. Little tips. Little tips. And you got to pay attention to the little things. If you can see it in your heart, please vote this time. Vote early if you can. And if you see it in your heart, support the candidates that have been vetted that our current leadership has a dialogue with. We're not asking you to vote for anybody. And I still claim my, uh, I, because, you know, much like my my uh, uh, oath of office from the military, that it never expires. So I try to do the right thing by our country all the time. Okay, so... Jeff, let's uh, let's wrap this up. You got anything else? Yeah. No. Um, everybody, get out and vote. I voted by mail and two weeks ago, so I'm good. Just please go out and vote. It's important. It's important. They uh, they were elated that that we were putting that. I was going to make you know the the e- make it an email. Uh, and part of my, they didn't know it was going to be my report on, on what an endorsement is, uh, and they were elated that I put that on our our, Facebook, our, our uh, website page. If you have any questions about how to do it, just click click that that image that says vote, and it'll get you there to the site that'll give you all the instructions on how to vote, and that's for the state of Michigan. If you got any questions. It's likely going to be, you know, benchmark for most of the other states, but you know, it might be different. I know Ohio's quite a bit different, uh, but uh, just please get out and vote. All right. With that said, uh, let's uh, say good night to our uh, global listeners, our listeners in Canada and Mexico, our U.S. Union and non-union listeners. Thank you. All our UAW listeners. 
brothers and sisters, thanks a lot for listening. If you found value in this show, please just tell one more person about us. Have fun. Stay safe in the coming week. God bless each and every one of you. Good night, listeners. Good night, Jeff, and wherever you are, Tom, getting your uh, 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 all that stress of being in one of those long meetings. <laughs> good night to you, too, brother. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. See you next week. Good night. Bye. Good night.